Would you call yourself a socialist? Uh, no. You've never told a lie in politics? No, no. See, somebody sent me a video actually last Friday and it had you talking at the socialist community. Oh, yes, yes. And you mentioned the word comrade uh, about four times in a minute. What was that about? It was a rally and I would have been about 25 years old. Comrade, 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 comrade. If you are caught in a lie or caught intentionally misleading the New Zealand public, how would you expect to be held to account? Well, I actually believe that it is possible to exist in politics without lying. We drum in that messaging around the dangers of COVID pretty diligently for a full two-week period of sustained propaganda. Sustained propaganda. Yeah, hi. This is just another little message to the unvaccinated. <laughs> A.K.A. The devil. I am so happy they are doing these vaccine mandates here in New York City because I do not want any of you terrorists next to me while I'm eating a meal, okay? And, of course, the least vaccinated by race are cis white men. What a surprise because they are professionals at killing people. Don't believe me? Let's look at the numbers. 50% of whites are not vaccinated. Yuck. 70% of blacks, my brothers and sisters, are doing the right thing. 70% are not, are not vaccinated. Wait a minute. 70% of blacks are not vaccinated, so they're not allowed in bars, restaurants, or movie theaters. Okay, black lives matter, but just maybe 30% of them right at the... Climate change is real. Hello, welcome to Liberty NZ. I'm Grant Edwards, and that was Tyler Fisher. Very funny man. Make sure you head off to... YouTube and look up Tyler Fisher and you can hear all his comedy uh, on YouTube. Tyler Fisher, great. Uh, coming up soon, in about um, 15 minutes time, we hope to speak to Pastor Carl Bromley. Uh, Pastor Carl is going to talk to us a little bit about how we should prepare, a little bit about um, end time events and uh, the, we, we, we'd like to, I'd like to discuss with him the mark of the beast. Is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Um, or is it a precursor? Um, taking the QR codes and, you know, checking in with your phone. Is that, where is that going to lead us? And the vaccine passports, what's that all about? And so I hope to discuss that with Pastor Carl Bromley. So, but just before we do, uh, let's have a listen to this uh, soundtrack by... Uh, Dr. David Jeremiah. Dr. Jeremiah talks about the mark of the beast and Christ's return in the book of Revelation. The one that a lot of Christians say, oh, we should never read it because it's too difficult to read. You never understand it. And yet in the book itself, it says there is a, um, uh, a blessing to those that read the book and hear the book. So uh, that should be a warning to us. Don't listen to what other people tell you about what the Bible says. Read it for yourself. So uh, let's have a listen to this. This is Dr. David Jeremiah and what he thinks is going to happen, and then we'll talk to Carl, hopefully, and Pastor Carl after that. When we talk about the false prophet in a few moments, you'll learn that his, his uh, strategy for gaining control of the world is to provide a license for everybody to basically be alive. Uh, we call it the mark of the beast, but basically this license was set up to control the economy of the world and, and the, way, the way you qualified to be able to eat and sell and buy and all of that was to worship the beast, mm -hmm. who is the Antichrist, the beast from the sea. Okay. 
And so there, that's where we get the mark of the beast. And, and uh, he, he gain, gains control over all the world. Here's the key thing that he does. He makes a covenant with Israel at the beginning of his career. And he promises to protect them from all of their Arabic enemies. And, 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 okay. and so Israel goes back home and they, they kind of disarm. They use all of their inventiveness and try to rebuild their economy. And the Bible says while they're at peace, he comes in and he breaks the covenant that he had made with them. So the peace treaty is is, is, is negated. At it's the end over. of three and a half years, he comes in and he violates their temple. He comes in and he destroys. He's, see, when he makes the covenant, he says, you can continue your worship. At the end of the three and a half years, he says, that's it, no more. I'm going to be worshiped now. You you don't worship anymore. And in, in what the Bible calls the the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist actually goes into the Jewish temple. I mean, this is hard to comprehend. He goes into the Holy of Holies. He removes all the furniture and he sets up a statue in the Holy of Holies, which is an idol unto himself. Mm. And he requires the whole earth to bow down and worship. What degree of persecution does uh, does Antichrist uh, empower? You know, it's interesting. That's a very insightful question because it's not just all uh, overt persecution. Just stop and think about it for a moment. If you can't buy and you can't sell, you can't, pretty soon you don't have any food. And my, my belief is that many of the people during the tribulation are going to die from starvation because there won't be any way, they will not be able to participate in the economy of the world and they won't be able to eat. And so little by little, they will, they will, they'll die. So we embody the most cruel of, of, of uh, leaders empowered by Satan. Satan. Yeah. Who has now assumed control of the world. Right. Just as God has a trinity, Satan has a trinity, right. an unholy trinity. Uh, Satan re- responds to God the Father, the Antichrist responds to God the Son, and the false prophet responds to God the Holy Spirit. So you've got an unholy trinity empowered by Satan, and their purpose is to do evil at its greatest ever. Unpack a little bit about this false prophet. Is it a is it uh, someone with a theological background? Uh, well, someone who's seen as a religious type figure? I mean, you know, there are all yeah, kinds of theories. Sure, right. But his whole purpose is not religious. His The religious leader, the false prophet, really becomes the economic czar under the under the rulership of the Antichrist, and he manages. He's religious, and he's the religious leader and the economic leader, and he's the one who enforces the mark of the beast. He's the one who causes everybody to bow down to the Antichrist. He's the worship leader, really. Oh. He makes them worship the Antichrist, and if they don't, they don't get a mark. If they if they have a mark, they've already capitulated to worship the beast. Something's got to happen here. Right. What happens? Well, the first thing that happens is the Antichrist is now in control and he can ultimately finally do what he wants to do. He's going to march against Israel and wipe them off of the earth. What um, the uh, former president of Iran said he wanted to do, the Antichrist will now determine to do. He will march Ahmed with Ahmed, yeah, right. yeah. He will march toward he will march toward Israel. And then all of a sudden, he'll begin to start hearing things that are happening. Mm. Other armies are coming toward him from the north, from the south. Uh, Eastern armies coming across the Euphrates River. And he has to stop for a moment and try to deal with that. Well, he does. And to, to kind of fast forward as quickly as we can, all of a sudden, all of these armies are together. And there is a new opponent that they weren't apparently aware of. 
the Lord Jesus Christ comes back. Mm. And these enemies that we're fighting each other now have a common opponent. So they all come together to fight against Jesus Christ in what we call the Battle of Armageddon. I've seen where that's going to take place yes, in right. Israel. It's the most marvelous battlefield you've ever seen. Right. But all of a sudden, all these armies are together and Jesus Christ comes back. And so the Antichrist leads the armies of the world against Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that Christ comes back with his holy ones and with all the angels. And Christ, by the breath of his mouth, I tell our people when I preach this, he goes, yeah. and all the rebellious people of the earth are destroyed. And it's such a great destruction that the 19th chapter of Revelation says, God has to summon the birds of the air from all over the earth to come and clean up the carnage that's created. Hi, this is Grant Edwards. We're listening to Dr. David Jeremiah speaking about the mark of the beast in the book of Revelation and Christ's return. And in about five minutes time, we hope to be joined by Pastor Carl Bromley. And we hope to pick up where this sound track left off. Is that scene there at Armageddon, is that what we refer to as the apocalypse? Is that that apocalyptic that moment? When, that that's right. That's when Jesus it. Christ is finally ultimately revealed to the whole. That's the apocalypse, the revealing of Jesus. All right. So Jesus comes, destroys uh, Antichrist, takes down the uh, uh, takes down the weaponry, takes away all the allies, everything, the coalitions all fall apart. What happens then next according to the Word of God? All, all of those who have rebelled against the Lord are destroyed. The only people left on this earth are people who are believers in Christ or followers of Christ. Right. The, um, the carnage is cleaned up and Jesus Christ comes and he sets up his kingdom on this earth. It's called the millennium, which is a word which is easy to remember. It's made out of two words, mill, which means a thousand, and annum, which means year. So right. the millennium is a thousand years. Jesus Christ sets up his kingdom on this earth and all those who are followers of him are there. And the Bible says those of us who lived and uh, were raptured will be with him and will help him administrate what goes on during the millennium and King David will be his vice regent wow. and it's going to be that's one of my favorite chapters because everything that was in Eden and was destroyed by the fall now comes back and it's even better but then there is the biblical revelation right. of Jesus Christ the judge right. and uh, there is a there, there are several judgments in the Bible but this one you refer to is it the great white throne right. judgment just as there are no unbelievers at the judgment seat of Christ there are no believers at the great white throne all unbelievers of all time will stand before the judge of all the earth and give an account oh. of themselves. And the Bible says, and the books will be opened and they will be judged out of the books. And the books aren't listed in the book of Revelation, but if you read the scripture carefully, you begin to pick up on some of them. Uh, there's, there's the book of their life, what they did with their life, their words, their conscience. But the most important book is the book of life. And the Bible says, in Revelation chapter 20, and if their name is not found written in the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, they will be cast into the lake of fire and, and suffer forever and ever. So there is the future of ones who do not know Christ. Right. What about the future of Satan, uh, this horrible, terrible, harassing, and mm. accusing creature? Well, let me tell you about Satan and his, and his buddies. At the end of the tribulation, at the, at the Battle of Armageddon, 
the false prophet and the beast are cast into Hades. That's what the Bible says, right? I'm just, I'm just telling you what the scripture sure. says right there. Sure. Then a thousand years happens. Satan's still there. He's bound, but he's not been cast into the lake of fire yet. Yeah. At the end of the, of, of the millennium, the Bible says he joins his two buddies in the lake of fire. They actually are in health for a thousand years before he is, and they become the first inhabitants of hell. And the Bible says those who have rejected Christ and have followed Satan in his ways, who have taken the mark of, of the beast in order that they might escape the judgment, they will be cast into that lake of fire along with Satan and the false prophet and the beast. And that's a very uh, uncomfortable thing for people to say. But I like to remind everybody that if God did not do that, he couldn't be God. If God could passively stand by and watch the evil that we're beginning to see, even in our world today, and do nothing, he would disqualify himself as the God of the earth. He must do right, and even though we we know he does right with love and mercy and justice, he also does right with judgment, and at the end, his judgment will be poured out. Then what happens? Then the Bible says, this is, a, this is just, it's, you know, it's momentous. It's just yeah, the kingdom, breathtaking. The Bible says that the kingdom of our, of our Lord will be delivered unto the Father. The, the whole, if you read the, the stories, and Dwight Pentecost says there's more in the Bible about the millennium than any other subject in prophecy. If you read all of the Old and New Testament scriptures about the millennium and the, and the beauty of it, and yeah. I think in my chapter I have like, 10 or 11 characteristics of the millennium. People live to be old. They have children uh, when they're 100 years old and there's no death and there's no sickness. And the millennium is just this pristine thing that yeah. in, in the back of our mind yeah. we, we look yeah. for. Yeah. That's just going to be extended for eternity. And it's called heaven. God has a plan and it's laid out for us in the scriptures. Some of it is dark, but in every dark place there's always a parenthesis of his grace and mercy. God never leaves us without a witness, even during the tribulation. He sends 144,000 people and two mega witnesses sure. to this dark earth because of his love and, and his compassion for people. If you don't get to heaven, it won't be because God doesn't want you there. He's done everything he knows how to do, everything that can be done, including giving his own begotten son to pay the penalty right. for your sin and mine. So when you stand before the Lord someday and he says to you, why should I let you in my heaven? I hope you'll be prepared to say, because I received your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, as my savior and my substitute, and he has promised me the gift of eternal life. And if you haven't done that, wherever you are as you watch this and listen to this, the whole purpose of this is not to make you smarter about revelation, but to help you know that God loves you, that Christ died for you, that he paid a way for you to go to heaven. And you have to make your reservation in the here and now because after you die, it will be too late. Is it appointed unto man once to die and after that, the judgment? And that was an interview with Dr. David Jeremiah, and that uh, video is called The Mark of the Beast and the Return of Jesus Christ. And I'm hoping to be joined by Carl Bromley. I think you're there, aren't you, Carl? And um, that was very interesting. Now, I've put a link to that video in the chat, so you're more than welcome to have a look at it yourself. And it's put out by 100 Huntley, 100 Huntley, the number, uh, number 100 
Huntley. And uh, very interesting. I've never heard of um, Dr. David Jeremiah. And I just sat there this morning. I watched that and I was mesmerized by it. I thought it was very interesting. I thought he had a, a great knack of being able to explain very clearly in everyday language um, what he sees happening in the future. And um, I, I really feel that we're getting very, very close to the, that end time event when the seven year tribulation period um, seems to be very close. We've got the nanotechnology. We hear today that Sue Gray and Dr. Matt Sheldon have, uh, are trying to get in touch with the government to um, warn them to stop the rollout because a New Zealand lab has found nanotechnology in the Pfizer shots. And so, and they've so far refused to meet with them. And that's very scary. And it's as though we're on this collision course with a, a Bible prophecy. And uh, for those that don't believe in the Bible prophecy, I think even people that don't now are starting to sort of look at it again. Um, John Ansell said that, you know, he has pretty much uh, put the Bible to one side. He has a spiritual uh, belief. But in recent events with what's happening, he's now looking at it again. And um, when we shared with um, John, Revelations chapter 13, verses 16 and 17, where it says that this beast, the second beast, a beast from the sea, who um, we, uh, many Bible prophets believe that he is a political, uh, sorry, a a religious leader. He's the one that actually causes uh, the people to receive this mark in their right hand and in their forehead that they can't buy or sell except they have this mark inside and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to to realize that we're getting very close to that now and so i'd like to invite um pastor carl bromley to come on and just talk to us a little bit about what he thinks and where he thinks we are and um i guess first of all my first question is is the vaccine carl is the vaccine the mark of the beast welcome carl hi carl are you there can't hear you. <laughs> oh, well, we'll just give you a minute because maybe you've got um, a microphone te- uh, problem. I'm not too sure. You there, Carl? I can't quite hear you. Can't hear you at all, actually. We'll be back in a moment and hopefully Carl will join us. If you look at the side effects of these things, blood clots, myocarditis, inflammation of hearts, increased in miscarriages from 10 to 80% in the first trimester, increases in cancer, increases in autoimmune diseases, uh, ovarian dysfunction, most likely infertility. And that's not to mention the genocidal potential effect of antibody-dependent enhancement. Why the hell would you put that into a child when they have a 100% near 100% chance of recovery from from an infection that is safer than influenza virus? Well, we're hoping we're to be joined by Carl. I can see you there, Carl, and I can see that you're unmuted, but I can't hear you. Um, can other people, other people in the in the host area, can you see Carl? I can see him. You there, Carl? Maybe Carl, if you're speaking, could and and yet we can't hear you. Would you um, cut off this call and come straight back in and see if that works? Sometimes that will work. And uh, in the meantime, uh, we've got Daker. How are you, Daker? Hi, Grant. Good, thanks. How are you going? Yeah, mate. <laughs> good, good. Uh, we had a good t- chat last night, didn't we, in our live cast? We went for four hours. Oh, four hours. Yeah. Is that a record? I nearly fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, I've actually gone for five and a half hours before in the past. So wow. um, Carl's just um, gone out, and he's just popped back in again. Hopefully, Carl will be here. Sounds like you're there now, Carl. How are you? Hello, Carl? 
Yep. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. I don't know what happened, but we got you now. How are you doing, brother? (laughs) I'm okay. Sorry about that. I might have been a bit of a um, problem with the uh, phone charging at the same time. Sorry about that. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, Podbean's a bit pedantic to use. Never mind. Well, um, did you get to listen to that 11-minute video, which I saw this morning, and it just had me mesmerized because I've, I've sort of read all this stuff in the Bible and, you know, in, in Revelations and Daniel, and and um, but the way that um, uh, Dr. David Jeremiah put it across seemed very sort of easy to understand, and, um, uh, you know, I just thought it was uh, quite amazing. I thought, well, it would be great to have you, a pastor in Christchurch, to come on podcast tonight and just tell us what you think, what you think we are. My first question to you would be, uh, well, first of all, welcome. <laughs> um, and secondly, is the vaccine the mark of the beast? Now, I say that in light of um, Sue Gray and Dr. Matt Sheldon. They uh, are doing their best to get the, the government to listen to them because a New Zealand lab has found nanotechnology in the Pfizer uh, jab, and uh, so far yeah. they haven't had much joy. They want them to stop it so that it can be fully investigated. But uh, what's your, what are your thoughts? Is it possible that the that the vaccine is the mark of the beast, or and and if not, why not? Why 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 couldn't it possibly be? Or and also, it's a bit of a few questions here. Um, mm. Is it a precursor to the mark of the beast if it's not the mark of the beast? Yeah, fantastic questions. And um, when it comes to uh, these kind of biblical questions, I'm a real stickler for going to the raw material and look at the chapter and verse here. And um, as someone said, when the scripture makes plain sense, uh, seek no other sense. And so the book of Revelation here, we're, we're told very clearly that uh, this beast, he causes he causes all small and great, rich and poor, free and, free and slave to receive a mark on their right hand or in their foreheads. And uh, quite quite literally there, we see this mark, this mark of the beast that uh, was talked about in the book of Revelation chapter 13 is something that is going to be um, put into or ascribed to the, the right hand. It's quite specific, the right hand yeah. uh, or the foreheads. So I, I think very clearly that um, this vaccine, this current vaccine is, is not the mark of the beast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely, I, I, I believe um, that it is a precursor. That what we're seeing here is that we're seeing a shaping up, a shaping up of society and a shaping up of people being ready to receive what's coming down the pipeline. Okay. Well, that, that makes sense. Sort of like tattoos, getting you ready to take a, a mark, do you think? Everyone's tattooed these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah, that's right. It's fascinating. If you look at the um, verse 16 of uh, Revelation chapter um, 13, it says says he causes small and great. Now, if you look at that word cause in the Greek language of the New Testament, the New Testament is written in, it can be translated as to um, fashion or to form or to shape. So when we talk in psychological terms, we talk about shaping behavior or shaping people up. And it's not necessarily that it's an arm-bending uh, trick he does, but he's, it's, it's like this process of getting people used to something or re- conditioned to something. And I think this is what we're seeing, Grant, is this, this early phase of conditioning and shaping people up. You know, we, we're being shaped up by tracking and tracing. We're getting shaped up, you know, the QR codes and, and receiving these vaccinations that, that when the time comes, when the time comes down the pipeline with this um, – 
Antichrist mm-hmm. emerges and uh, shows himself to be who he is and introduces this mark that people will be very conditioned and receptive to receive it. Yeah, that makes sense. What I didn't notice um, before when I read the Bible, I always thought it was the Antichrist himself that actually caused us to receive the mark in our right hand or forehead. But uh, David Jeremiah points us to that it was it is the religious, this, this other beast that um, mm. diverts people, that he's the one that causes people to worship the uh, other beast, the Antichrist, the political leader, if you like. It's, uh, I find that interesting. I always thought it was the Antichrist made the, made us uh, worship him, but there's a religious leader that seems to be pushing that. Yeah, as, as David Jeremiah said, and he's, he's a fantastic Bible teacher, isn't he? And um, what he referred to there is that unholy trinity. So you have the um, the false prophet who is uh, you know is doing a lot of this brokering here, and he's he's going to be a religious leader, and he's going to be obviously in a position of. Um, controlling uh, world finances and economy here. So we kind of see a, a marrying together of the two in, in his role. So he's going to be quite quite a spectacle of a fellow, really, to um, be able to um, to uh, really have been a position to, uh, as you say, uh, cause people to worship the beast and uh, also set in place economical structures that result in people not being able to buy or sell without this mark. Do you think that the Antichrist will come from Europe or America or, you know, the Arab world? Where do you think he'll come from? And do you think he's alive today? Good question. I have to be quite frankly honest with you, Grant. I wouldn't consider myself an um, expert on these end time issues. Um, I've probably spent a lot of my ministry more devoted in other areas mm. uh, in terms of practical ministry. Um so um, some um, some um, would, uh, I guess there's arguments around where he would come from. Um, whether or not he's alive in, in the world today, um, my own opinion, I think with the, 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 the way the world is now and the things we see developing at such breakneck speed in terms of globalism, I mean, uh, in, in Daniel mm-hmm. chapter um, 7, we... Uh, we are told about the last kingdom of man as a, as a globalistic, a global kingdom, a, a one-world government. And mm. uh, with, with things in place today with the, with the United Nations, World Economic Forum, and all these things coming together, I would be very surprised if he was not in the wings somewhere politically today. Uh, he does, the Bible tells us that he emerges, he's, he's, he's uh, called the little horn, in one of the prophecies. So he emerges as probably someone behind the scenes who then comes to the forefront um, to take precedence. Um, so my, my opinion, oh, I think he must be in the wings somewhere. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't. Can I guarantee, can I prove that? No. <laughs> mm, just, a, just an idea you have. Well, um, there's a, there was a Bible teacher years ago by the name of Barry Smith. Do you, do you recall him? I know of him. I personally, I haven't actually um, listened to a lot of Barry Smith's stuff, but uh, he's hmm. very, very famous, very well-known, isn't he? He is. And he used to say, I can remember him speaking about this back in the 1980s, and he used to say that the Antichrist will have to be a Jew, a European Jew, he believes, because he believes that all the wealth of Rome went down through the Medo-Persian Empire and then into the Grecian Empire and then the Romans um, uh, came after that and then all the wealth of Rome, uh, which basically, oh, Babylonian, that's right, he said, um, the wealth of Babylon came down through the Medo-Persians, the 
Grecian, then the Romans, and then um, all of Europe, basically the, all the wealth of, uh, of the Roman Empire is now in Europe. So he believes that it'll be a European leader, and he believes that he must be a Jewish leader because he says only a Jew would be allowed to enter into that temple and set up the abomination of desolation, the one that Jesus spoke about and also the one that Daniel spoke about. And so I wonder what your thoughts are on that because other people I speak to say, no, he's got to be an Assyrian. And, and then others tell me, no, you'll probably be an American. So I'm, mm. I'm, I'm a, I mean, I, I guess it doesn't really matter, but I just find it fascinating that, you know, it seems as though we're, we're witnessing Bible prophecy yeah. beginning it's, to happen right now. I well, mean, with the well, Grant, I think it could be a mixture of all of the above. I mean, there's no reason why he couldn't um, be a Jew of Assyrian descent. Um, mm. You know, he's called the Assyrian in the Bible, and uh, if, if he was a, a someone born in Assyria but of Jewish descent, that would make sense. I certainly don't think the Jews are going to embrace um, a false Christ who's not a Jew. To me, that wouldn't make any sense whatsoever. So yeah, that's what I, I was I thinking. Believe, believe he would have to be a Jew, but he may be a Jew of Assyrian descent, and maybe. You know, it's, it's possible he could be um, a Jew of Syrian descent with, a, with American citizenship. I mean, mm. you know, it doesn't have to be necessary one or the other, does it? But I think, well, I think do you, essentially do you think, he would need to be a Jew. Might, I think, do you think he might be a Syrian as well? Well, I believe in, that, the, in the prophet. I can't, I can't name the verse here, but it, it talks about him being a, the, um, called the Assyrian at one stage. So it doesn't necessarily mean that his, his heritage isn't um, Jewish. I mean, it's like Jesus. I mean, he... He came out of Nazareth, and they said of Jesus, you know, um, or um, he came from Nazareth, but they said, you know, and he's, he lived in Galilee, and they said, well, no prophet came into Galilee. He's got to come from Bethlehem. But the reality was he was born in Bethlehem, and he, and he lived in, in, in Galilee. So um, for a uh, Jewish antichrist to come out of Assyria, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not without reason. Yeah. And what about America? Like I, I, people say, oh, America is not mentioned. It's probably going to be destroyed. Do you believe that America will be destroyed, or do you think that America is there, it's just not named as such? Do you think it's part of Europe, the European? Um, you know, because well, I, like I guess they came from Europe, didn't they? Yeah, like I say, I could be getting out of my death, but um, there is um, a famous um, um, a teacher on prophecy, Arnold Fruchtenbaum. Some people might have heard of Arnold Fruchtenbaum, and. He talks Fruchtenau. about, um, yeah, that's okay. correct, yeah, Jewish, a um, Messianic Jew, uh, she's a Christian Jew, and uh, he was talking about uh, in the last days when um, Israel was going to be accosted by the nations, that the Gentile nations will basically sit back and wag their finger and saying, tut, tut, you shouldn't be doing this, you shouldn't be um, invading Israel, but they're going to be somewhat disempowered to do anything. Um, so perhaps America's... Uh, one of those Gentile nations that perhaps may be disempowered to do much about anything when it does come to the point where Antichrist leads his army into his final assault against Israel. Mm. I was watching a video that someone sent me, and it was um, it had a, about the Vatican. It showed you all the, the buildings like the obelisk and, and those phallic symbols that they've got right in the Vatican City. And mm. then it showed you Washington, D.C., and it showed how the uh, it was very Masonic and also very Roman Catholic, which is which mm. I found interesting. And the and I think even the word inauguration I can't remember. It was a while. I should have really looked at it, and I, perhaps I should have put some pieces together to put on this program. But um, it it seemed that there was um, the, the the similarities of the 
American system, the Washington DC system, um, and the uh, Vatican Roman Catholic system are very similar. Oh. And I'd never, I'd never really looked at that before. People, people said to me, "Oh, you know, the America—that's the that's the whore of Babylon, um, or you know, the harlot." But I've never, oh. I've never. Did you? Would you ever think that? Because I've, I've never have. I've always thought, no, the no. the whore of Babylon—that would have to be a Babylonian religion, you know, like would that? Well, that would be oh. the Roman Catholic system of religion. That's what I thought anyway. And I was, but then when I watched this movie, I thought, well, maybe there is a link between the Vatican and um, America, and so maybe I should look at it more carefully. Maybe, maybe there is a president that's going to come up, and maybe he is a, a Jewish, a Syrian uh, descent, and um, and he and he actually comes from America. I wonder whether that's a possibility. I don't know. Am I stretching it a bit? <laughs> I don't know. We are living in these times. We're we're speculating about a lot of things at these times. It's, yeah. uh, you know, these are. Maybe as the uh, tale of two cities, cities says, this is the worst of times or the best of times. We're living in exciting times where we're seeing uh, things of biblical proportion uh, basically take shape before our eyes. Mm. Um, you, know, I, I, you know, the whore of Babylon, I mean, it's it's a big subject in itself, I think. But one thing is clear is it's, uh, you know, says that the the, um, the horse sits on uh, the, um, seven mountains and, uh, and it's basically... Uh, committed fornication spiritually of all the kings of the earth. So it's something very global in terms of influence that I think does uh, have a Babylonian origin spiritually. Um, I think it is a, um, a personally, I'll, I'll, I'll put it out here without going too much depth on it, but I think it, mm. think it is kind of a universal spiritual influence. Um, and uh, without wanting to offend any of our friends out there who have Catholic in origin, the word Catholic does mean universal. It mm. is a universal yeah. doctrine, and I think and we, um, most uh, churches today, whether they are Protestant, Protestant churches would say we believe in the, um, the Holy Catholic, Holy Universal Church, not referring to the Roman Catholic Church proper, but the idea of this universal um, church. And uh, I've got some issues with that, and I, I do tend to think there's some issues there around that, that this, um, this universal um, influence that has influenced uh, all the nations of the world has some kind of bearing or, or origin in um, Babylonian teaching and, and somehow um, this universal spiritual influence that's engulfed the earth spiritually. But um, it's, it's, I'm talking a lot of convoluted stuff there, but um, no, it's, it's an interesting subject. It is an interesting subject because usually we, we're taught very much uh, in our day and age that when it comes to church theology, we, we only hear of... Um, you know, the, um, the route taken through um, Constantine and the establishment of the Roman Catholic Church and the break off of the Protestant churches. But there are whole histories that um, go in alignment alongside uh, that uh, traditional perspective. And I, I didn't really become aware of that myself until I went to the ministry many years ago and realized, my goodness gracious, there have always been um, assemblies and congregations and churches that were never associated with the uh, Catholic Church or the Protestant churches that have always existed and um, often very heavily persecuted by those organizations themselves. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Mm. So um, getting back to the mark of the beast and the return of Christ, um, do you would you say that um, it'll be something that'll be forced on us, or do you think it'll be like the vaccine passport where you, um, although they're saying it's mandatory, yet you can't go and you don't have the freedoms that the others have unless you, you know, to have the, have the passport? And and mm. obey the rules. Do you think it'd be like that, where you'll have to sort of uh, almost swear allegiance 
as you mm. as you have this mic put on you. Whoops. Yes, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very good question. I and mean, what the Bible says is very clear. If anyone receives the mark, um, basically the damned, they'll be um, thrown into the lake of fire. They'll they'll be hell bound. And one thing one thing that's really important that comes from Bible interpretation is that uh, we don't sacrifice simple principles or simple scriptures to try to com- accommodate hairy or, or difficult scriptures or issues. And so one mm. thing that the Bible says very clear is that the gift of God is eternal life, that, that uh, we are saved by grace through faith and not that of ourselves as a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So if, if we would conclude that um, getting the mark of the beast would um, be something that we are forced to do and that would result in us going to hell, according to the scripture, then we'd be, we'd be um, betraying the basic principle that uh, actually one um, salvation is not by works. It's not something that we receive by something we do or don't do. It's a gift of God. Two, that would mean that people would be um, condemned to hell um, through through no means of their own decision or choice. So um, so it seems that when it comes to the mark, there is there is a choice to have it or not. It won't be forced upon us, and it seems that those who take it will be willing to take it. Mm-hmm. So um, in my perspective, I look at this a bit like how, what happened with Pharaoh when, uh, when um, God took the uh, children of Israel out of Egypt. You know, he didn't harden Pharaoh's heart straight away. There are several times that Pharaoh had an opportunity to um, humble himself and to uh, to um, repent and to obey God. It was only after, I think, about the third or fourth time that God says, right, I'm going to harden your heart. And it's this principle here, I think, somewhere that says, when God in his infinite knowledge knows that this is what a person wants, he says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to lock that in, and that's what it's going to be. So... Somewhere in between that, uh, in terms of that, uh, knowing that you know salvation is a gift, it's something you receive by choice, you're not forced into it, and yet in seeing that those who do receive the mark will be condemned, seems to tell me that those who receive it have already actually given themselves over to um, worshipping the beast. Yes, although they won't be able to buy or sell without it, and it's pretty hard to get along without buying or selling, isn't it? Right, that's to... right. Which is why Daker and I are busy growing veggies and planting trees. <laughs> Not together. He's got his place. And, uh, yeah, so do you, do you think we'll um, have to, like, do you think we'll see the Antichrist? Like my father used to say, we won't know who he is because we'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air just before it happens. But now I'm not so sure. Well, that's right. I mean, um, the, the scripture um, makes it pretty clear that um, – in, uh, I think it's in the look here. We in um, just trying to find the verse here, Grant. Um, that we will before he. Here we go. Second Thessalonians two three to five says, "Let no man deceive you by any means, for the day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who mm. opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, called God or is worshipped, so that." As God, he sits in the temple showing himself that he is God. So he's basically saying that the day, the day of Christ is not going to come. So this, we know we're going to touch on the rapture bit here. It's not going to come except there's a falling away. And before the son, the man of sin is revealed. And so he's, he's saying here that this, this rapture this, uh, is not going to take place until he is um, exposed and revealed to us. So those who are, haven't died of natural causes or from the, um, oh, the common yeah. cold of Omicron. 
if mm. they're still around. Um, uh, yes, I, I believe that people will see him before the rapture. Now, this gets into uh, rapture issues, but um, from that passage alone, uh, talking about um, the rapture preceding that, he definitely says he's going to be revealed. Mm. Now, I've got friends that are mm. Seventh-day Adventists, and mm. they believe the mark of the beast is Sunday worship. They believe that we are uh, who, who meet on a Sunday, we are actually, um, that is the mark of the beast, Sunday worship, and that this Antichrist, and they believe it's going to be the Pope, he's going to be the Antichrist, and he's going to cause um, us to worship on Sundays. And and uh, so, I don't know, it doesn't sound like that to me because it says, and he, not you know, like it, and it says, and he causes yeah. us to receive a mark, doesn't it? So I, I, I can't right. see how that could be Sunday worship. Do you, would would I be right in thinking that, or do you think well, that? You'd to, yeah, you'd have to really um, mystify the scriptures exceptionally. I mean, are you going to pl- apply the the mark of the Sunday worship on your right hand or on your forehead? I mean, it's mm. very it's very clear and explicit, and um, the people need to really stretch and and uh, mystify the scriptures a lot to take something very plain, very simple, as he will cause them to receive a mark on the right hand of the forehead and say that's Sunday worship. Mm. I mean, I don't receive my Sunday worship on the right hand of my forehead. I, I, I worship God on a Sunday because I don't live under the Old Testament law that was given to Israel. Uh, as a Gentile believer, I'm not under the law. Um, and, uh, and so I live in a time where... Um, that, um, as Paul said, the Apostle Paul says, he says, let no one judge you of Sabbath days or moon day feasts, etc., etc. One man considers one day to the Lord, book of Romans, another man considers another day unto the Lord, every day to the Lord. So I think there's some really, I think you'd have to really um, stretch things and, and mystify things a whole lot and do a whole lot of um, biblical panel beating and, and distorting to really make <laughs> Sunday worth of the mark on the beast, in yeah. my view. Uh, to me, it's quite cut and dry. When the scriptures make sense, seek no other sense. Mm. And when you first became a Christian, what what were you taught as far as when when the Lord will return to take the saints? Because it does say that that the the believers return with the Lord, but it's it's confusing to know when they when the believers go up to meet the Lord. And when they come back, you know, is it at the very end of this whole tribulation period where lots of people are killed and there's terrible things happen on the earth? Um, and, you know, the mark of the beast, people have to have that mark on their forehead or in their hand before they can buy and sell anything. Um, oh, so yeah. when do you think that that would happen, This the, the rapture? Do you think we'll have to go through the tribulation? That's a good question again. Um and like I said, I'm, I don't consider myself an expert in these areas, Grant, and I'll show you a bit of chat. But what I can show you is what, um, again, the scriptures share, um, tell yes. us here. And I, I was taught I was taught pre-tribulation rapture, and okay. most people hold that position. But, you know, I've always been troubled by that, Grant, and, and troubled by it not because someone has gotten my ear or some Bible teacher or someone on YouTube has troubled me, but just from reading the simple scriptures, such as Matthew chapter 24, um, and, and going through these scriptures, I started to get some questions about this pre-tribulation rapture position. Um, so so what, what, what the position I've come to now is pre-wrath. So so the Bible is very clear that it says in the um, that God has not appointed us to wrath, 
so that's a that's a good thing. First Thessalonians five nine. God has not appointed us wrath. So we know there's a time coming when God is going to pour out his wrath upon the earth. And I'm glad that as children of God, we're not going to be there for that. So we do know that. So we know the tribulation is going to happen. I mean, sorry, the um, rapture is going to happen um, before God pours out his wrath. But Matthew 24 is pretty clear, pretty clear when we talk about the end time events here. For example, we went back to Matthew 24, verse 29. Uh, so 24, he talks about false Christ, false prophets arising, showing great signs and wonders, etc., etc. And he talks about uh, when Christ comes, it's going to be his lightning from the east to the west. Everyone's going to see it. And then verse 29 says something interesting. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give a light, and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And then, immediately after the tribulation of days, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And he goes on verse 31 to say, And he shall send his angels with a great trumpet, and they shall gather his elect from the four winds and from the ends of the heaven. That sounds a lot like the, lot, lot like the rapture to me. And it's mm. after the tribulation. And I've always had a, an intellectual issue of this as well, why people think that somehow Christians today would escape, well, Christians in the Western world would escape the tribulation. And I say the Western world because we know there are Christians all over this world being torn to pieces and murdered and butchered for their faith. We know yeah. through the Dark Ages, there are one Baptist historian estimates 50 million conservatively, 50 million People conservatively lost lost their lives for their faith. So why is it that us um, Western Christians, our warm cotton wool uh, boxes of our nice hot milos and our feet up on the couch, think that we're not going to suffer tribulation? Um, so biblically, I think it's uh, apparent that, that that we will go through tribulation. And um, I think intellectually wise, I don't see any reason why we think we should escape that. But we will be raptured before the wrath. That's, that's my position, Grant. Mm. It's... Um... It's, it makes you sort of look again at, at what you taught when you're young, doesn't it? You know, it, it does. I think go I, back to the scriptures think, and study. Yes, and I really do think a lot of people are revisiting that that doctrine or that teaching. I mean, mm. I've, I've never made it a big issue in my life up until recent years, years because I've always believed, well, it's going to happen. Praise the Lord. I'd love to be able to you know, escape any tribulation if possible, mm. but it's going to happen. But in these recent times, what's happening in, uh, in, our, in our nation and the world it's certainly, I think, causing many people to, to revisit the scriptures and, and reconsider that that position mm. on the on the rapture. Carl, what are you doing to prepare? As you know, if we if we do go through this tribulation period, uh, where the Antichrist is basically just really persecuting the believers, what mm. do you what would you, what do you what will you do, and what do you recommend we do? Well, it's a, it's a great question. I mean, the, the greatest preparation of all is what David Jeremiah referred to um, earlier on as peace. And he said, you know, knowing Christ as Savior, that uh, having Christ as Savior, having acknowledged your sin and, and coming to Christ and putting your faith and trust in him as the one who died for our sins and receiving him as Savior is the, the ultimate preparation we can have for anything. Uh, as Jesus said, he said, don't be afraid of those who can kill the body. He said, you fear the one or respect the one who can put both body and soul in hell. Now, that's pretty heavy stuff, but what he's saying is that, you know, the, the best preparation you can have is a respect for God, and, and the greatest preparation we can have is is and being assured that we know Christ our Savior, which is the most simplest thing we can do. Uh, it's the most loving gift that, that God has made possible to us for anyone to receive if they just trust in him and accept 
what he did for them on the cross 2,000 years ago. So that's the first major, the first major uh, in, in um, being prepared for this tribulation. Now, for me as a Christian, uh, somebody who knows Christ, then um, what Paul said, he said, you know, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. So, you know, stay, keeping our eyes on Christ, being steadfast, committed to, you know, the, the work, the ministry that he's given us um, is, is a great way to um, maintain our confidence, uh, a state of uh, mental well-being as we, we keep close to Christ and seek him, uh, not forsaking our assembling together of, um, of believers, so making sure that we remain close in Christian community and, 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 um, and, and growing those connections and bonds of other believers. Uh, that's, I guess, spiritual preparation. On, on the practical front, I'm, I'm probably a bit behind on that, to be honest, Grant. You're way ahead of me um, growing vegetables and things. <laughs> well, um, last year we put some fruit trees underground. I think we got 18 of those. Yes. Because right. oh, I, cause I've always believed, oh, no, we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. I don't need to worry about this. So I just I just shared the gospel with my friends and, and tried to get as many people um, thinking, you know, well, to get as many people into heaven as I can, even if I have to boot them in if I could. <laughs> but now you know, I'm thinking, well, maybe, hang on, maybe I've got to, you know, maybe I should, maybe the Lord wants me to be um, preparing, being a prepper. So no one laughs at the preppers anymore, do they? They don't. I think it's a great idea. My, my wife and I tried to buy land uh, last year. We were trying to buy land on the coast, actually, for that very reason. Mm. And uh, with the, um, the way that the uh, banking regimes are set up now, the new international directives, it's very hard to get a loan to buy a piece of land. Um, and so they're really squashed down on that. And I think that's a gender 2030 principle coming where they want to herd people in the cities getting off the land. So um, if, if people have the opportunity to get some land and get somewhere they can grow their fruit and veggies and, and um, prep, um, buy up bags of rice and um, a friend of mine, buckets of honey, it lasts a long time. That's great stuff. Um, uh, so I think people need to do whatever they can practically as well to prepare themselves. Um, so, yep, I think we're very blessed to have opportunity to land these days to do that with. So we might be going through this thing. So we've got to um, – so what do we do? Do we, do we arm ourselves to the teeth and, 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 and fight the enemies of the Antichrist or do we just let them, you know, pick us up at the gate and put us on the bus and on the train and, just, and uh, we just oh. go willingly like the Jews went in nineteen late 30s? Do we, do we put up a fight or, or do, we, do we just go do what we're told? Well, what did Paul say? He said, you know, stand and having done everything to stand. I mean, um, we, we love our enemies. Uh, we're called not to murder, obviously, and yet there's, there's definitely a biblical precedence that uh, when it comes to life and death and protecting your loved ones, then um, we're entitled to stand and defend ourselves. And, um, you know, I don't think we're quite there yet. Um, and uh, whether or not, you know, that is a calling that God calls us to in the moment, who knows? Uh, perhaps there will be a time when people will stand and have to physically defend themselves against tyranny. Perhaps God will call people just to um, be a bit like Stephen and um, have the grace to um, endure the martyrdom. I, I don't know. I think that it's a possible, it could go two ways. Uh, I don't think there's, I, I definitely believe there's a God-given precedent in the scriptures that we are allowed to defend ourselves against those who would uh, seek to take our life. And then we see people obviously in the Bible, the greatest example is our Lord and Saviour Christ who 
you know, and, and, and at the time when he was going to be crucified, obviously he went as a lamb to the slaughter and was um, crucified as a saviour for a purpose. So, you know, I think that's going to be a call for every person to make in their conscience before God and uh, when that time might be, Grant. Hmm. Do you, do you think, think, well, I don't know. I'm really conflicted about it. You know, I, I don't think, I think I'd rather be shot than shoot someone else. Mm-hmm. And that actually happened to me. Mm-hmm. I was staying in a um, at a friend's cabin, and uh, his uh, son or, or daughter—I'm not sure who I can't remember who, who remember who it was—but they drove up to cabin, and uh, they didn't realise that I'd been. I was staying there, and um, there was a twenty-two and other things in, in the rack there, and um, I was lying there in bed, and they drove up, and I thought, "Oh no, who's this?" And I thought I could easily just, you know, said who was that, and um, they realized. And then they saw my car and they realized, you know, oh, someone else is there. But I just froze in bed, and I rather than get up and even pick up a rifle, I just I thought I'll just I'll just let them shoot me. <laughs> I'd probably feel different if I was defending my children or my wife. Yes, but whether it's just me, I thought you know I don't really. Care. I don't really care because the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So I didn't really, right. I don't really care about that. Um, me. So I think I'm going to be one of those ones that just um, I'll just turn around and they can put put the put the handcuffs on me and walk me out <laughs> to the truck. I think I'll be one of those, and then I'll start I'll a, probably, a, yes. a, a prison ministry and prison the ministry. Yeah, I mean, that. until exactly. they quite, Yeah, that's the one. That's what, that'll be quick. That'll be quick on it, but. Um, be quite so. a freaky experience, wouldn't he? Be wondering, you know, what are you going to see when he comes off? You get to sort of see yourself hitting the ground. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm probably like you, Grant. I've always been a better advocate for others than myself, and um, yeah, I'm certainly not a violent person. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't uh, like to um, kill anything, but uh, I do believe in self-defense and defending oneself. But I, I really think that God will give us the wisdom and 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 the, uh, the insight at the time with what what would be the right thing for each of us to do at the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, like you, I'm probably more more prone to protect someone else than myself. Uh, so. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting to see how it guys each one of us because um, we definitely have a right to defend ourselves, and we also have sometimes a calling not to. Yeah, um, one of the people in the uh, chat, um, his uh, handle is the happy straight-edged vegan, and he asked a question. He wants to know what is the best church to join. It's a bit of a loaded question, <laughs> but he did ask it, was, it. So I thought, well, obviously, you know, well, obviously the one I'm fast to go. Christchurch. If you're in Christchurch, you go to Carl. No, are you allowed no, to have church, we're, 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 church meetings at the moment, or are they, are they stopping you? The, well, they've got them down to um, 20, 25, 25 oh. haven't they, the criteria. Um, I have to be really careful at the moment because we've got legal proceedings um, afoot at the moment uh, with the mm-hmm. police in terms of the raid on our house. So, I'll be you tell warned. us about that, because um, others won't know about that. What what happened there? Yeah, well, that's right. Well, I was raided on New Year's Eve. Uh, my, my wife and I were out, and they raided us. Our house got home and found out it had been burgled, but it had been burgled by the police, and that, you know, basically trashed the place and um, ripped the gun safe off the wall and take my twenty two and that. And we really believe it was because of me speaking out politically on my um, YouTube channel, Is It Just Me and Z? And being a, a voice in the community, criticising the government and, and advocating against these uh, horrendous, draconian, tyrannical government policies, and so, um, so as a consequence of that, the um, police—you wouldn't believe the um, 
the trumped-up allegations that police made to justify their behaviour, just lies and twists, distortions and utter lies, etc. So um, I've been warned by a lawyer and by um, another person who used to be very high up in the police, um, retired now, that they will definitely be watching me very close. So I don't, I'm a bit suspicious that you know if we set a foot out of line, they could come in and um, trump up some charges and arrest me. Mm-hmm. I was seen Brian Tumaki spent 10 days in a cell recently because he was... Um, Standing up for his right to freedom of speech, so, um, so that's what's happened there. But in terms, in terms of what's the best church? Um, well, I'll, for me, it's very simple: uh, a church that teaches the Bible, teaches the Word of God, and and lives by the Word of God. I mean, we have a famine today of truth. Um, people aren't interested in the Word of God. They're not living by the Word of God anymore. Um, a lot of people today claim to be Christians. They love Jesus. I love Jesus and all this kind of stuff. But it's very hard to find people who actually want to live by the book, know the book, and live by it. So I would say find a church that teaches the Bible and seeks to live by the Bible uh, and by the grace and love of God. So um, that's why I'd be looking. We're speaking with Pastor Carl Bromley from Christchurch. Um, if you want to talk to Carl, ask him a few questions, debate with them. You're open for a bit of a debate if someone wants to question you on something. I'm sure you. I'm happy to. Happy to. I'm, I'm. I'm not a great guy on my feet, to be honest, Grant. I'm all reflecting and writing, but you know, I'm. I'm happy to take a few, take a few we'll questions. Say, or um... we'll say that's a good question. We'll get back to you on that one. So, um, if you'd like to talk, I know that Larry is in the in the um, in the room. He wants to have a chat, and I think Danka might have a question or two. And there's a few other people sure. in there as well. So you're welcome. Just call me now, and um, I'll, I can fit um, two more in the. Two more in the box, and you can have a chat with Carl when we come back. The CDC actually doesn't consider you vaccinated unless you've survived to day 14 after your second dose. So anybody in those studies and reporting the data that dies or gets an infection or has to be hospitalized because their immune system's harmed by the vaccine, that counts towards the unvaccinated. But as the science makes clear, if you're fully vaccinated, you're highly protected. There were excess numbers of people dying after the vaccine that were being reported to the vaccine adverse event reporting system, exceeding the level of comfort. So those who we want to protect the most with the vaccines, the vaccines are failing. Yes, I know you're vaccinated. You're the smart ones. But you know there's people out there who aren't listening to God and what God wants. You know who they are. If you look back in history, that's always the way tyranny has begun, by identifying and ostracizing certain groups of people in society. The vast majority of you who've gotten vaccinated, I understand your anger at those who haven't gotten vaccinated. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. Um, a friend, when we were in California that we were having lunch with, their daughter came, and their daughter had has two girlfriends um, that were both pregnant. And while pregnant, they got their vaccine. I'm not sure exactly which one. It was either Moderna or Pfizer. They got their vaccines and then, you know, carried babies to term, delivered the babies. And both of these gals' babies had birth defects. One had no fingers um, on one of the hands and the other one had no arm and literally had a hand growing out of the shoulder. If you phone Pfizer, here's what they say when you phone up. Thank you for calling the Customer Service Center for the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine, also known as Comirnaty COVID-19 vaccine mRNA. The emergency use of the product has not been approved or licensed by FDA, but has been authorized by FDA under an emergency use authorization, EUA, to prevent coronavirus disease 2019. 
You should not get the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine if you are pregnant, plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. That's a bit scary, isn't it, Carl? We're speaking wow. with Pastor Carl Bromley, and so you're welcome to just um, chime in and uh, talk to Carl, ask Carl a question. Um, feel free to. Larry, if you're, if you're unmuted, if you're still with us, you're, you're welcome to start it to kick off. Hello, mate. G'day, Larry. How are you? What's going on? What's are you guys over? What England? I take it. So, who's speaking? Is that is that Doctor G? Is it? It is. It is. Have it's, you got a question for Pastor Bromley? Uh, yeah, I was wondering why. Are you guys in England? No, we're in New Zealand. Oh, sorry, my bad. Sorry, I because I, oh, okay, New Zealand. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's okay. Did uh, you have anything you wanted to, to ask? In Australia, mixed up all the time. This is weird. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Okay, you haven't got a question? Uh, question. About the subject? What's the topic? Uh, that's all right. Mm-hmm. You just have a listen, and then you can uh, perhaps call us back, but I'll just put you on mute, and uh, we'll talk to someone else. You th- are you there, Larry? Or whoever, whoever else is Hi, there, Grant. you're welcome Hello, just brief. I, I know your voice. No, How are it's you? Ella. Oh, Ella. It's Ella, Ella. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> How are you? Good. As well. Go ahead, Ella. Um, it's a very interesting topic, though, because uh, lately groups and groups uh, get together to uh, discuss about uh, the, the faith, not the religion, because it's, uh, from my point of view, it's a difference between the faith and religion. Religion, it's a dogma where uh, it's... Um, the purpose uh, is to control other people, how they think, how they uh, live. Um, but the faith is between you and God, between you and, Je- and Jesus. Uh, what I want to, I want to ask something, but before I want to say just this, uh, uh, we need to not forget we deal with a group of people uh, that are doing a bit to humankind for thousands of years. Can I just introduce uh, you, Ella? Because people won't know who you oh, are. Yes, um, yes. Ella sorry. is uh, Ella Daniel. That's right. Is it, Damien. Is it Daniel? D- Damien. Damien. Ella Damien. My apologies. Ella was on our program uh, probably a month ago. You're from. Uh, you're from. You lived under Romania. communist Romania. Yep. So you yes. know what co- communism is all about. And uh, you came yes. on our program and you gave. You spoke for a, quite a while and you were very informative and a lot of people really enjoyed you you talking. Uh, on, oh, thank on the you. program. So, yeah, carry on, Ellie. That's um, I just wanted to um, know who, who you were. Yeah, so uh, this uh, will cover a little bit the religion because I hear those uh, Carl and uh, talking, and it's very interesting what he said. Um, uh, we deal with a group of people very, very evil. We don't even know exactly now how evil it is. Um, and uh, this probably God wanted to happen, supposed to happen, that people to find out how much evil is on the earth. Um, uh, they, uh, I am afraid uh, that I believe from many, you know, I watched many documentary. I think the Bible, uh, the, sec- the um, New Testament, it's actually alterated. I mean, like uh, it's uh, written by Catholics. Um, I am sure it's somewhere the original Bible, 
but this one it's made a little bit for uh, helping them to wash people's brains, uh, to be happy with nothing, to exactly what they want. Uh, and in the revelation, it uh, sounds exactly ideal plan for uh, the globalists. Um, about the Putin, for example, uh, you said before the mark of the beast. I think the uh, mark of the beast, uh, my opinion again, uh, could be the chip that uh, they intend already in Holland, they introduced to someone hands, the right hand. Uh, and with that chip, it's work. If it's working, they can control you day and night, 24 hours. Uh, so that could be a mark of the beast because it will be under total control of the um, the globalists. Um, uh, yeah, and Putin, it's possible, Vladimir Putin, it's possible to become the hero because um, he wants to fight. Uh, I'm not sure if... It's honest when he say that, but he want to fight uh, the um, the globalists, the, those that are involved in pedophile um, sacrifices and all that stuff, and and the people actually that lead the world and not don't lead the world properly, actually is just making us suffer. So uh, it's possible that Antichrist to be uh, Putin. Okay, because he's he's coming across as a good guy, isn't he? Yes, he... it's coming across. Mm. Yes, definitely. And mm. uh, the the thing is now uh, because the globalists lose the grip of the people um, with with uh, the pandemic because uh, the truth is out. So they can't hide anymore the deaths. They can they can't stop people to talk open about. So this will fall the the pandemic probably in the next month. But uh, they prepare a war. And I am sure they pay for it. They prepare a war to declare um, a state of emergency and keep control of the people again. And by uh -huh. the end of the war, probably we already will be on credit score um, uh, and all those changes that will not be good for us. So are you thinking that the vaccine rollout, the, the, the COVID-19 and Delta and Omicron and the vaccines and all that, that's just a, a precursor, if you like, for the next stage, which is going to be yes. war and rumours of wars. Uh, the war is to cover up and they to escape of the jail because maybe you know already the common law, the Supreme Court um, uh, found them guilty of genocide and um, um, other crimes and they want to arrest them but nobody to arrest them because the one that's supposed to arrest them actually work for them so um, they have the money they have the power so who will go to arrest a prime minister for example in New Zealand I give an example um, and uh, also <laughs> I saw today um, like uh, um, Chris Hepkins I don't know if I say correct the name. Uh, he has arrest order on his name. And I'm, I don't know who is going to arrest him. So uh, the, the thing, uh, they will create a war to escape, uh, to escape um, uh, jail. Prosecution. Persecution, yes. Because uh, when it's state of emergency, all the court cases stop and uh, people usually lose all their rights. Hmm. What do you think of that, so, Carl? 
Do you think um, Ella's got a point there that perhaps the COVID's over, they've been sprung, and the next step is uh, war to control the people? Yeah, it's fascinating. I I think they haven't reached the objective yet, and um, I've always said that uh, the whole COVID thing's not about the virus. It's it's a Trojan horse, a means to an end, and Mm. some people are talking and saying that the uh, Omicron virus, which is uh, performing very much like a weak common cold, uh, although very contagious, is is kind of the beginning of the end of the uh, the COVID narrative, so to speak. But I've always said that um, when they've ridden that pony till it dies, uh, then they'll just <laughs> set up a new pony and ride the next one as far as they can. Mm-hmm. And um, so, and and perhaps this is what you know, Klaus Schwab from the World Economic Forum, he's already talking about you know the imminent um, cyber cyber attack, global cyber attack, and so the need to prepare for that. So. You know, this that that might be the next thing after the uh, COVID narrative, uh, when they've ridden that pony till it's dead in the ground, that they'll use something else to continue their ultimate objective. And I, I agree with Ella that um, you know, she made the reference to the chip, uh, the mark being a chip. That's quite possible, quite possible, because in the background of all this, what we're seeing developing, I think the end game really is something is to get to this point of this mark, this way of controlling people's food, what they buy and sell. And if you've got control of that, you've got control of people's lives. So when we see this background um, project going on behind the scenes, this AI project that um, the New Zealand government is uh, has uh, contracted in with the World Economic Forum in 2019 that many people aren't aware of, uh, this project to develop artificial intelligence um, apps and um, and um, what's the word? Sorry, devices or programs. You can see you can see something very much dovetailing into what we have now the um, the, the um, apps for uh, self checking and then we see the Reserve Bank talking about a digital currency and um, so you know it could culminate into something like a chip that controls everything and, and eventually be implanted. So um, yeah, I think I mean, like a, a number of good points here Ella, regarding that. They were yes. talking about and the- yeah, carry on, Ella. Oh, sorry. Sorry, a question for you because you know better uh, uh, the Bible than me. I read it, I think, once. <laughs> um, and tell me if you think the Bible is um, uh, rewritten, some, some uh, uh, chapters. Because uh, I remember I was arguing with my father because it was for me from that Bible I found when I was like seven, eight, like the God is cruel. It can't be a God that to punish um, uh, his, you know, sons and daughters uh, that mm. bad. Because in the Bible was something like mentioned, uh, all those punishment. And uh, I am Orthodox. So in the church, mm. uh, you could be punished and go in a hell for a simple thought or for a, uh, if you eat uh, meat uh, Wednesday and Friday. So... Mm. Uh, it's different than I see now. Uh, the relation direct with God is different stories, not rules, no rules, just love. Yeah, Hello. very good, very good point you raise. I, I think that religion has really distorted the message of the Bible considerably, yes. and uh, what you you nailed it. God's message in the Scripture from Genesis to Revelation is all about a loving relationship, that he, he wants to have a loving relationship with us. He, he mm-hmm. made us in his image, like him to have a relationship with him. And, uh, and that is the message. Religion has distorted it and twisted it 
and made it something that mm-hmm. really paints God in, in a bad light. Uh, he is a holy God. He's a just God. He does punish sin. And, and yet he's the most loving, loving, compassionate being in existence that he sent his only son to die for us, that we have forgiveness of sin and, and know him, know him, have that personal relationship with him as, as our savior. Um, so I think when people distort the Bible and they, and they, and they highlight the, uh, the, uh, the difficult passages, the places where God is, is pouring out judgment and wrath um, and leave out his, his incredible compassion they really do God a disservice, and they and they and they really paint an inaccurate picture of the message of the Bible and God Himself. Carl, yes. we've got um, Kristen uh, in the chat. Kristen, she says it's all superstitious. Educated people don't believe in religion. How would you answer, Kristen? Well, I'd, I'd say, Kristen, maybe you need to go research um, who the f- uh, f- founding fathers of science and. Um, and recognize that actually um, the actual scientific method itself came about through uh, Christians. And um, to really to really say that, you know, uh, with all due respect is, is, is a pretty naive position to take uh, because there are many, many people um, with uh, PhDs or whatever coming out there, Guazoo, who are believers in God. And um, it's, you know, a relationship with God isn't about intellectualism it's not about academia it's about uh it's a spiritual relationship uh based on faith and um so yeah um that's i guess all i could say with that top of my head Grant. lots of intelligent people are christians aren't they i mean i remember reading a book called uh what's it called now um the Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson. He wrote it around about the end of the 19th century. And um, he was the assistant commissioner of Scotland Yard and the head of the CID. And I think he'd written about 19 books, but he was a pretty bright fellow. And he used the Royal Astronomer to prove um, his point that when Longeminus gave the commandment, I think to Nehemiah, to build Jerusalem, was exactly 483 Jewish calendar years to the day that Jesus rode into the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. Fascinating book. If, if it, it's available free on a PDF. It's called The Coming Prince. I'd recommend it. If anyone wants the supernatural element to prove that the Bible is true outside of the Bible, you can prove it by going to the Persian history books. He did give a yeah. commandment to build Jerusalem. And it was exactly 483 lunar years till the day that Jesus wrote in. And the royal astronomer, who, according to Anderson, he wasn't Christian, and yet he said, no, I verify that. Is, that would be correct. It would be that date. And that was exactly the date that, that Christ wrote in on Palm Sunday. Very interesting. So a lot of intelligent people do believe in the Bible. Oh, We've got absolutely. a lot of people here. Um, there's one SJ. 187 and we've got Larry so Larry you've been waiting a long time so perhaps if you go first and then and then SJ187 you could follow how's that well good evening and thank you for having me in this congregation of sorts and um, yes I've got a few thoughts myself for a number of years um, and I hope it's not going to be construed as panel beating um, but I'm also um, wary of being a Pharisee and being too strict with, with all those little words and trying to add everything up. So, so one thing that has been with me for about 10 years, um, after I did a little bicycle trip from London to the Dead Sea in Israel, spent quite some time there, is um, the mark of the beast, of course. And I'm holding now in my hand, imagine you're 
on Patmos. You're in a prison and you have a dream from Jesus, right? And they've just tried to boil you because that's what the Romans tried to do to John. And um, in this dream, you walk into, let's say, 2018, 2019, 2020. And you see all these people in your dream. And they're walking around and they go in and out of shops. And they're holding these things in their hand. And if you're John and you're seeing it in your dream, I think you see a reflection of that thing which is in their hand, usually the right hand, but a few people are left-handed. And that reflection will be on your forehead. And especially if you are from an age that does not have this sort of equipment, which I'm holding in my hand right now. I'm holding it in my left hand, by the way, for some reason. I don't know why. Um, you could easily say um, that those devices that we carry, that we now even have to go in and out of shops with, and a lot of places you're not allowed into. I'm not allowed into a lot of shops. Not even the local dump here in Nelson, the recycling center. Um, yeah, I think there's a case to be made that um, the chip is a is another nice red herring that we are looking at, thinking we've got lots of time, but then we go to, is it Matthew 24? As a thief in the night, you know? That's one thing that I want to um, add to the mix, if you don't mind. And, um, um, well, if, if anybody has any um, thoughts about that. Yes, it's... Uh Interesting. Uh, the, thank you, uh, Larry. Is it? It's Larry. Yes. G'day, Larry. Hi, Larry. Larry's uh, from interesting, South Island. Uh, interesting. Um, if I could pick up on the thief of the night, um, this is something that I think sometimes um, people don't um, consider. Some of the, some of the other passages they say Jesus is going to come like a thief of the night. We're not going to know when he comes, but. Yet in a, like First Thessalonians five one to six, um, Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonians said, "For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief of the night." But and he says, "For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape." Shall not escape. But verse four he says, "But you brethren are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief." So it's an interesting clarification, therefore, for, for people who don't know the scripture, maybe don't know the Lord, it is going to shock a lot of people when the day of Christ comes. It will be like a thief in the night. But because God has given us the scriptures, he says to us as children of God, Bible believers, this day will not overtake you as a thief because he's, he hasn't given us a specific day, but he's given us a sign and times of his coming. So that's an interesting thought. Is it? What do you think about that? That is very interesting, but also remember that many shall be deceived, remember? Many shall be deceived, even the elect, remember? Yes. Um, yes. And, and tying into that, tying into hey, that. Larry, um, here's my, for me, yes. I won't be <laughs> Everyone else will be, but I won't be. The days will be shortened so, um, to the point that uh, if it was possible to deceive the elect, didn't they say that the elect will be deceived, but yes, many will be deceived. And, uh, oh, you're right, you're right. Yeah. And, um, uh, it, why will they be deceived? He says that they'll be deceived, deceived because they receive not a love for the truth that they might be saved thereby. Some people don't mm. want the truth. Yeah. Yes. Can I, can I pose another one? Yes. Um, you can stay there if you like after you've posed it, and then um, we've got a lady in the, in the uh, as a speaker. Uh, she could have a chat, and then you could come back if you wanted to add to that. 
Larry, but you go ahead with this question first or, 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 or idea. An idea. Um, this was another journey I made um, in the mid-90s, actually in 1997. I met a clochard, which is a, um, a guy on the street in, uh, in Paris, in France. And um, we were talking about spiritual things and he asked me, what's the number of God? And I wasn't very busy with God um, and I don't think he was very busy with me, no point at that time. Um, <laughs> And he said, it's three, you know, with a very look of disdain in his eyes. Um, and then I did know what he said, what he meant with the number of the beast. And because everybody knew that you could see it in, in, in every um, toilet in, uh, in every random place, you know, everybody's having fun with 666. So I had that one right. And he said, now multiply. And I used to be quite good with math, but at the moment um, he said, it's 1998, which was the following year, 1998. And a lot of interesting things happened in 1998 for me personally, but also on a world scale. One of the things that happened in 1998, for example, is that the, the nuclear um, non-proliferation, as we had it, was destroyed by India and Pakistan. You know, they tested those two um, uh, bombs, underground bombs, I think it was in May or in June. Um, but there were more things in 1998 that were of a particular uh, noteworthy um, caliber. Anyway, that year always stuck with me. Um, and I met a person called Michael, by the way, that um, was a man in his 30s or 40s. Met him in, um, in Salau in Spain. I've been a bit over the place. Um, and I knew immediately this was not a normal person. And I, I can't give you the exact reasons now. And it's too long to, um, to talk about. Um, but ever since I've been believing with everything um, in my heart, in, in my guts, everything. I, I know God is, is real. I know God is true. And since then, I've had tons and tons of um, what some, some people will call meaningful coincidences or um, serendipity or um, just um, revelations and stuff. But I've wandered off and wavered off. Anyway, 1998 um, for me is somewhat of a pivotal year. Um, and... Then I go back to Matthew 24 and think about what um, what Jesus said in, in another passage about this generation shall not pass. Um, and these things will, and I think we are that generation. And I can't say like 25 years is a generation and it started in 1998 because then it would be um, Pharisee and trying to um, flee out all the little details. Um, but I think we're a lot nearer um, than... Um, than we may think. And only a week ago, because I like playing with numbers, and um, I think God likes mathematics because the Bible is also full of ma mathematical, interesting details. And when it says about the number of the beast, this 666 thing, and about it being a number of a man, that's what it says, right? Now, this clochard, um, who told me three times 666 the year before, and then I thought it was a quite special year the year after. I was just playing with numbers and I thought, well, if you do three times 666, which is a multiplication, right? But what if you put the power on it? You put the power on 666. So 666 times 666 times 666. It's to the third power, right? Do you know what you get? I've got my calculator. About, it's about 282 million, but um, I did it a week ago. A six, number six, of a man. Times six, six, six times what? Six six six. 
Correct. Equals 295,408,296. What's that? 285 million? Correct. 295 now, million. Now look up the population of the United States in 1998 and you'll get very close. And if it's a number of a man and you're talking about the beast out of the sea, for, given force by another beast, which is a dragon, isn't that China? Isn't the, the, the beast out of the sea? Didn't Columbus discover it about 500 years ago? Didn't that come out of the sea from our perspective? Isn't it populated by all these foreigners? But isn't the dragon the devil? Because he's supposed to be there waiting for this woman, this, uh, mm. this a good woman in Revelations 12. Isn't he waiting there for yeah. her to have a child? And wouldn't that be the 12 tribes? And wouldn't that child be Jesus that he wants to kill? So that would be the devil dragon, wouldn't it? Not China. Because there's lots of yeah, I don't know. That's what I was thinking. What do you think, Paul? Do you think it's do you think it's easy to read too much into some of the books of the Bible instead of just reading well, them the way they are? This is a great thing about the Bible, isn't it? That we can study it. We've we've been given an amazing an amazing document that God has handed down and preserved for us. And uh, answering Alice's question way back, no, I don't believe the New Testament has been rewritten. Um, it's been preserved and many um, scholars have shown that very clearly for anyone who wants to actually seek that out and, and realize that but it's an amazing book isn't it because we can study it and this is exciting when we have God's word we can get a chapter and verse in context and compare scripture of scripture and, and really dig in to see what God is trying to tell us it, it is tempting it is tempting for us to Look at look at the scripture a bit like clouds. Sometimes I think well, I'm, I think it might mean this, it might mean that, and that's you know we, it's understandable. Some of us are more philosophical and creative that way, but when it when it comes to the Word of God and and, and finding out what God is trying to say to us, uh, we have a wonderful book and, and a process and method of finding out what He wants to say. Jesus said, "If you continue in My Word, then you will know the truth. The truth will set you free." So. You know, some of these, um, so in a short short answer, Grant, um, yeah, I think it is easy to read things that aren't there, but the blessing is for anyone who wants to take the time and diligence, we can get into it and, and read the Scripture in context, comparing Scripture to Scripture, and really nut out what some of these um, symbolisms mean, like you said, the dragon. And if we keep reading the chapters after before, and that often will tell us, this is what it means, here's the meaning. And uh, so I think that we're in good shape if we, if we anchor our reality spiritually in chapter and verse in context. But but don't give up on asking the questions. Ask the questions of the scripture. What is this meaning? But then go to the scripture, chapter and verse in context to find the answer, if you want God's answer. If we just want our answer, what we want to think about it, we can just go to, we, you know, we can, we can go to town and, and, and think of whatever we want to make it. But if we want God's answer, I believe it needs to be anchored chapter and verse in context and consistent with the whole scripture. Thank you. Thanks, Larry. Don't go away. You might want to ask hey, another Larry. question or talk some more. You're um, welcome. Who else have we got there? We've got Ella. We've got uh, SJ187. Do you want to unmute yourself? Um, you've been waiting for ages so patiently. Hello. Welcome. <clears throat> Hi. Hey, SJ. Hi. So I take more of like a philosophical um, stance on the whole issue. And just sure. more speculative. Um, mm. I have read the Bible. I my family was split Catholic and Christian, so I experienced mm. both until I was thirteen, and I had the choice to go, keep going to church or not, and I chose not to. Um, mm. um, 
I am not religious, but I am spiritual. Me um, too. And and I I am a deep thinker, and I like to travel like deep. <laughs> That's I mm. guess the best I can put it. And um, so something that's really stood out to me is some realizations about who we are, where we come from, where we're going. And I think that right now hell is in development, like hell as we will experience it. And um, I think that this used to be heaven or the Garden of Eden. Um, There used to be an ancient silicone forest. And you can see remnants of it um, by looking at some mountains. You can tell that it, they're tree, tree, tree stumps. Um, I think that uh, the next kind will be um, transhumanists or machine kind. And it's almost to me, it's almost like an, watching an entity trying to save itself like a like an organism trying to save itself um and is so attached to this this um land um or planet and so i think that because when i look at the reality right now currently i mean well there's a lot of areas that are concentrated very concentrated with garbage people um it just keeps like everything's condensing and concentrating and when that happens usually um you know the population starts to die out suddenly like lifespans are shortened quality of life is shortened or, or lessened and um i think that the reset has happened many many times over uh We've been de-evolving and evolving at the same time, if that makes any sense. Um, and uh, where do I go from there? So what happens, everything starts to die off, right? And so I think that there is a knowledge hidden from the population and is being utilized to not only manipulate us, but to, um, I guess, um, piggyback into the next kind wave of humanoids or little creators. And as far as our origin, um, I've gone as far as um, pretty much seeing humanity as a a fractal fractile branch from many branches of a fractile of an, of an existence that comes from God. So God created his son and then we were created in the image of God. So the image of God would be his son. And then we're, I think we're pretty much like, you know, that, that, that um, cryptid that people talk about when they're explaining like the serpent or the, um, the son of God, uh, Satan, uh, you, you cut off one head and three more grow back. Have you heard of that? I've heard of that with um, different different um, religions and philosophies about hydras and things like that. I have, I've never had that. Yeah. 
And um, like the night before, the night had a monster. Where, where do you where do, where do you um where do you get your um, philosophies from, SJ? Like, what what's that been based on? M- myself, I um for a long time I've been well actually all my life I've been just feeling like I'm really really aware and I I think deeply and for long periods of time I meditate and I just go places with my mind and I I observe everything. I study every day. I'm relentless when it comes to studying everything COVID-19 encompassing. And it's been like that ever since the first quarantine two years ago or or however long ago it was. Um, And so I'm just, like I said in the beginning, I gave you a disclaimer. I take a more philosophical, very philosophical stance when it comes to this topic and it's not, it's not, I don't believe it's unbased because it, I'm going off of things that I've been witnessing and learning about along the way the past two years. Hmm. Yes, James. Well, oh, go, go ahead, John. Go ahead, Carl, and I've got a question. Well, I, was just, I was just going to pick up SJ. Um, the Bible says, Romans, SJ, that the whole of creation groans and travails and pain together until now. So from the Bible narrative, um, it, God created the earth good, and it was perfect, and there was an Eden, it was a heaven on earth, so to speak, as you said. God would walk in the garden with man, with that relationship with um, God, and then man, um, for the first time in his life, became separated from God, and was thinking he sinned, he became separated from God, and, and creation itself started to die. Man died, he became separated from God. Creation got infected by that and started to break down. And God's whole plan, according to the Bible, as you've probably known from your youth and that, as he sent his son, Jesus, to restore us to him. And then uh, eventually he's going to restore creation back to the beauty it was, a new heaven and new earth. But most importantly, he sent Jesus that he would die for our sin, that we might know God and have a personal relationship with him. So I appreciate your, um, your, your sharing your philosophy and that you've, you've certainly... Um, thought about things a lot and put a lot of different things together and um and uh, um one thing I, I i i suppose that um would be a challenge would be would be to look at you know what is truth and what is the authority for that and the anchor for that is it our own philosophies or imaginations about things or is there a truth that we can actually know that tra- transcends us that is immovable and solid that we can actually actually um entrust our lives to and for me, I found that in Christ and, and, and the Scripture there. But I uh, do appreciate you. Do appreciate you sharing that. Thanks for that. Yeah. I, I had a bit of a question for you, SJ. What do you do with um, with verses like uh, Revelation chapter thirteen, verses sixteen and seventeen, where it says that this beast will cause all, small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand and in their forehead? And we know that it was written. 2000 years ago and now and we, and we know that we have the technology now to do that um, for for a, a world leader to do that so that was prophesied in the bible 2000 years ago uh, don't you look at that and think i better take this book seriously well yeah i think that it was written um, either as a plan or as a promise and i think it's been written and rewritten and revised many times over. There's proof of that. Well, we know it's been rewritten, but I I don't think it's been 
it's it's changed. I mean, the Bible that I hold now. You don't is, think it's changed, or you, you know it? Well, is. I know that there's corrupt there's corrupt versions of the Bible. I know that, and I know there's corrupt texts. But the one that I hold in my hand, um, I, I have never found a provable error or contradiction in it. And uh, it, it's is it the text the that it's underlined that seems to be uh, pretty much the same as a Greek a Greek text or or a a um, um, a text found in I don't I, I know a little Greek but I she's a very nice person but I don't know all of the all the other like you know there's Aramaic and oh, what's the other one now the Coptic isn't it <laughs> yeah but in the New Testament I think there's many oh, witnesses God. to the New Testament what does um, that mean absolutely. New Testament witnesses Sorry. the New Testament the New Covenant the New Testament is is mean, after though, Christ new... died on the cross he gave us a new covenant that has that if we believe in his blood that his blood sacrifice for us paid for our sins if we believe. That's the new covenant that God has made with us, with mankind. What, what do you mean by new? Well, it's new. The old covenant was um, we had to keep the law. But the new covenant is Jesus fulfilled the law. And we live um, we live by faith in him. That's the new well, the covenant. covenant? The original well, it's one? there. It's in the scriptures. You can read it for yourself. And I'd, I'd suggest that you read the New Testament, read the book of Genesis to find out the, the history, and then read the New Testament, and then decide whether you want to reject it or, or not, or, or accept it. I don't know. I, I honestly feel like I have enough of a connection to God or this the collection the collective that I don't I, I don't need to do all that because I I, I believe that my understanding of everything is like, it's like I'm bird's eye view of everything. I can see everything in a big picture. It is just really, really difficult to, to um, uh, verbalize that. If, if but you you've got this it, book that to tells articulate. you in plain English. Sorry? You've got this book that tells you in plain English. Yeah, I know. I, I've read it What it's going to be like in the end days. I get it. <laughs> I used to love mm. listening to the preacher I used, to, I used to sit there and just listen, you know, and I I would sit and contemplate a lot by myself as a, as a child. Mm. And I was, my grandmother made me write a letter to God every night before bed. And like, <laughs> that was kind of beneficial because wow. I became somewhat of a good writer. But um, <laughs> anyways, I, the thing is, I, I, like I told you, when I came in here, you know, I'm not here to debate. Mm. I'm just, I, yeah. I just have, I take a more philosophical mm. and you can like, debate. No um, problem at all. spiritual stance mm. i just think well, that my ideas with us. Or, or whatever is coming out of me is very interesting so i thought i'd share thank you for that i appreciate you doing that you're welcome um thanks and stay stay there if you want to pop uh, chime in again you're more than welcome okay. don't um don't leave us um v-a-n-x i think that's just spreet it's ella it? <laughs> ella yes oh yes you, well, that's where you're from <laughs> i can't tell so who's rb is that just spreet down the bottom there R-Y-B. Probably. Uh, about so, yeah. this. If, yes, go ahead, uh, Ella. Yeah. Um, I s sort of uh, share the same uh, idea on some points with uh, SJ. Mm -hmm. um, because like when I say ask uh, Carl earlier about the um, Bible, um, don't need to forget uh, they, uh, it was a group that actually uh, killed Jesus. At, the, at that uh, age. So they had ac have 
had access to the writing. Um, so they could easily write whatever they wanted when they did the New Testament. And uh, G, um, sorry, SJ said something about a plane. Yes, could be a plane too, uh, about what's happening now. But definitely this is an important time and because most of the people will wake up and we will find out the truth, I think. Who is lucky to live that long will find out the truth and it's worth it. Well, many, many scholars have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Bible we have in our hand today has not been altered or any different than the one they had thousands of years ago. It's been quite proven. And if anyone wants to research that, you can find it. It's a, it's a, it's a lovely, popular I group. Have people like to have it. Uh, and well, what about... Well, well, you can say oh, that. You can say, you can say that. And I can say I have researched this as well. And it's, it's very... If you want to... If you want to see the evidence that the Bible has not been altered or misinterpreted in any way thousands of years, you can find that. But people are going to choose what they want to believe. If, if you want to believe it's been altered and, and that, that suits your philosophy, then you, 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 will, you will find something to, to um, what the heart desires, the mind will convince or justify. But I can tell you right now, I've studied the Bible for 30 years and, and studying the, um, the accuracy of the Bible, there's no doubt whatsoever the Bible has been preserved. There's not been altered and rewritten like some kind of. Um, Shouldn't that make you suspicious? Beg your pardon? No, because God preserved. God, God pro promised in Psalms 12, 6, and 7 that he will preserve his words forever. Well, how Jesus even said that I'm he would. Saying. Well, he didn't say preserve the Bible, he said he preserved the words, didn't he, Carl? Yeah, permission to speak, please. Thousands of, thousands of manuscripts in existence today. That have been that have been you can study and see that are very consistent with each other. They are, they are very old. We have we have um, it, scriptures from the first century, original manuscripts being copied from the first century, and and this is this has been thorough studies of this is, is beyond the shadow of a doubt today that what we have in the Bible has been accurately preserved. And uh, if you really want to get into that, you send me an email and I'll send you some information. If you've got anything contrary to that, I'll be happy to receive it. Can I say something, please? It's Larry here. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on, Larry. Um, just before um, I put, Carl, I've put your YouTube channel, uh, Carl Bromley, and it's, I think it's uh, the name of your channel is, is, is it just me? So if you go yeah, on I YouTube and, and type in, is it just me? You can see uh, Carl there and you'll be able to correspond. Yeah. yeah. And um, you could put your email in if you like, although you're probably pretty busy with all the things that are happening to you, but if you want to keep in touch with Carl, you go ahead with that. That'd be really good. Go ahead, uh, go ahead, Larry. And thanks. Well, a very simple observation because we're getting into a discussion about what's real, what's not, what's true, what's not. Um, if I read my New Testament right, Jesus says at some point, um, only those who are sick need a doctor. And I've met many people in my life from many different walks of life, from many different religions or not a religion at all, that I knew were better people and they followed the Ten Commandments far better than I did, knowing that the Lord was real. And um, if people say I'm spiritual or I don't believe the Bible, um, they can still be, in my point of view, a better Christian quotation marks, than I 
present myself to be. That's one observation that I would like to make. The other one is that um, if you do not believe in the Bible and the New Testament and the Old Testament, just read normal history because what happened after um, Jesus was crucified, which is all recorded also by Josephus and by, by other sources that we can um, find back in, hist- in his historical text, but for 325 years at least, this little very awkward group of Jewish people that the first Christians were have been attempted to be stamped out by the Romans time and time and time again. And until the Council of Nicaea, um, that was um, commanded by Constantine the Great, as we all know, of course, then finally there was a little bit of relaxation on the mandate to kill Christians wherever you find them, um, so for a lot of Christian people, that has been a, a time of purification, some call that. Um, horrible things have been done to them. And in spite of that, they would not give up the message of Jesus or of the Old Testament. Um, so I think to say like it's been falsified, it's been bad copies, I, I think you have to study history, not the Bible itself, study history, to come to the conclusion that the miracle of the book even being preserved until 325 is a miracle in itself. And I believe the Bible, alpha to omega, back to front, I believe it. And um, anybody who criticizes it has the right to do so. Um, But I think it might be wrong. And I preserve that to be my right. Right, there we go. What do you think happens to after you die? What I will get a great spanking first, and then I'll go to heaven. Wow. <laughs> the Bible gives us the answer. It says that it is accorded unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. So Amen. if the Bible's true, then that's what's going to happen. How do we know the Bible's true? We've got to, we've got to prove it, that it's true. Is it true? What's our purpose? Has it got any mistakes in it? Is it, uh, is it provable? Um, if it's got mistakes in it, or if it has provable errors, it can't be what it claims to be. It must be just man's words. What's well, remember one of the last. Here? What was remember that? Remember the last verse in. Sorry. What is our purpose in life here? Well, Carl, you're you're more qualified than me. <laughs> well, uh, one one there's actually a verse in the Bible that uh, was one of my favourite verses, SJ, and it's. It's the answer to the age-old question, uh, what is the meaning of life or what is life for? And you'll find it in John 17, 3. It's so simple and profound that most people miss it. But Jesus said, he said, this is eternal life. Now, something eternal is something that is forever in the past, forever in the future, and at this very nanosecond now, this is life. This is eternal life. This is what life is for, that they may know will experience you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you sent. So Jesus' answer to that is that the reason we are here in life, the reason why we're sucking wind and living and existing, is that God made us to know and experience him. The problem is we got separated from God because of our sin, and that's why he says that we may know and experience God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. Because Jesus Christ is the only way through which we can actually come into an authentic, genuine relationship with God. Because he died for our sin. 
He hung on the What's cross to die for your What's sin and mine. That if we would trust in him, he would remove that which separates us, our sin, that we would be reconciled, united with God, and have that very purpose he created us for, to know him. That's our purpose, first, first and foremostly, is okay. to know God. That's what okay. created you. Here's a good segue into my next question. Here's a good yeah. segue. Knowledge. Why do we seek it? Hang on. Before you do, you said what's sin? Yeah, what's sin and, and, what, and what's knowledge and why do we seek it? I mean, not what's knowledge. Yeah, yeah, knowledge. Well, what is sin is a very good question, first of all. It's a very, it's a very, what is our sin? Um, he died for our sin. So, what is that? Our sin, yes. So, the word sin, actually, the word sin in the, in the Greek in which the New Testament is written is hamartia, and it means to fall short. So, it's an archery term where an archers would be firing an arrow at a target, and the arrow would fall short. They said you sinned. And so the Bible says all of us have fallen short of God, that our sins, so, our falling short, separates us from God and from knowing him. We can know a lot of stuff about the universe you know and philosophy and all that kind of that stuff. That means that we've been reincarnated. Okay, well, that, well that's, that's, that's that philosophical side that you, you are, you've been Correct, created that to have. That's true. To have yes. that. That's true. So, from a Bible, from a Bible perspective, you're you're it means you're, that you're biblical, and I'm philosophical. Good offers. The Bible yeah, wants us to be philosophical. I'm philosophical as well, but I'm philosophical and I believe the Bible. And I'm a free not, thinker. Not sort of mutually Me too. Isn't that great? And I freely believe in the Bible. What it says, it's it's a book that if anyone studies it seriously, you cannot get away from the fingerprints of God. Well, can we just put the book aside for a second and have a chat? Oh, I wouldn't wouldn't put the book aside for a second, but I'm happy to have a chat with the book in my heart. But uh, yeah, so what what would you like to chat about? Well, I think... Can I say something about sin? So you have a go, Larry. And also we've got um, Jaspreet. I think Jaspreet might want to have a chat as well. So perhaps we could Uh, just see if Jaspreet wants to say anything and then come back to, uh, to you, Larry. Hi, Jess Briggs. Um, Hi, Grant. How are you? How are you? You've been listening I, very intently. Yes, Hi, I Jess am. Rather, Hi, Carl. How are you? Good. I am rather out of my depth with this uh, topic <laughs> currently. I am, uh, as you know, I am a Sikh, a practicing Sikh, but I'm not someone who wears my religion on my sleeve. I'm firmly of the, I'd say, opinion of trust in God, but lock your car. And I've I've attended a couple of, uh, you know, meetings here locally talking about the mark of the beast and so on. But I've come away from them, for lack of a better word, rather disheartened. There seems to be a very, um, an opinion that it will be what it will be. And that is, that unsettles me. Mm, It's unsettling. Yeah. I think I know what you mean because they think it's all written in the Bible. There's no, we, there's nothing we can do to change it. So we, we'll just sit back and watch it happen. Yeah, mm, because you know they, they talk about the prophecy and in in some, I mean, no matter what you are, religious, spiritual, and I'm I'm both. It it is unsettling because I almost see a belief that no, there is nothing we can do about it. And as you know, I come firmly of the opinion that nah, not putting up with this. Whatever this is going on has to be reversed. Well, and, we put us uh, in, in control. Since when are mm. we in control? 
Hang on a second, uh, SJ. I'll, I'll just get you to just to mute yourself there and, and just allow just Breed to say what she wants to say. So, for a for a Christian, is this is this it, Con? From in your opinion, is there no no well, going back? Um, that's that's a good question, Jaspreet. Um, as a Christian, as a Bible believing Christian, um, mm. what what we have in the Bible is the Bible says that God knows the end from the beginning. So He's a God that exists in in eternity, he's eternal. So He's in the past, the present, and the future at the same time. He inhabits eternity. So He's mapped out for us what's going to happen. And he, and there's uh, we would say there's two parts to God's will. He has a sovereign will and He has a permissive will. So the permissive will is that sometimes God allows things to be, and, and we, we have you know, obviously our own freedom of choice, but there are some things that he's outlined to us that he knows are going to happen. He's, he's put in the scripture to tell us ahead of time to warn us, and those things are immutable, those things that won't change. Uh, and so, so in some regards, there are things that are going to happen, uh, like the mark of the beast, the Antichrist, uh, the things that he has foretold will happen. And um, but we have a response. How how are we going to respond to these things? Do we take them lying down? Do we stand up? Do we fight? Exactly. Uh, these are questions for us. I and think as many you know, of us are already linked. Yeah, like, yeah. Like but someone you know, like me, I will. I'll be the one that will be have to be dragged away, kicking, screaming. There's no way I yes. am lying down and taking this. But <laughs> yes, you're you... me, Jasprit. You're a fighter. <laughs> same here. Same here. Same here, Jasprit. Likewise. And and I I have a deep belief, a very deep faith, and uh, even though I do not wear my religion on my sleeve, I try to a large extent the way I conduct my daily life. My faith does guide me, you know, mm. to do the right, mm -hmm. truthfulness, and doing the right by your fellow man. Those are things. But yeah, not I almost f you know feel people who they're uh, like this is going to happen, and I keep asking myself, are you how do you, uh, you know, reconcile this with the fact that if you don't do something, this is the future your kids are going to inherit? Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? And, and because mm. we're talking about the Bible, um, and from a Christian Bible base, it's the, the whole message of the Bible isn't really about how to survive the tribulation or how to survive the mark of the beast. Um, Eighty percent of the Bible prophecies have been fulfilled. In other words. 80% of the things that God has said will happen have happened. And the greatest example of the person of Jesus Christ is fulfilled over 300 prophecies about Jesus Christ have been fulfilled when he came. So the whole point of the Bible really isn't, isn't so much about telling us how, the, how it's going to end in terms of this world, but more warning us and trying to woo us toward God to have a relationship with him so that when we do leave this life, because let's face it, we're here for a very short time, he wants us to have the assurance that when we enter the next life, we're going to be with him for an eternity. And uh, so I guess when we look at the Bible, it is scary in some ways, uh, unsettling because because it's been so accurate and the things that it's um, prophesied in the last 4,000 years, we can trust it for the things that are come, going to happen in the next few generations. And so that is unsettling because there are some things that, you know, we aren't, aren't going to change. But yet, yeah. yet the encouraging thing is that one thing we can change is whether or not we know Christ, whether or not we know God, person is our Savior, that when we do come to the end of our life, we drop dead one day, we know exactly where we're going, that we have peace with God, and we're going to spend an eternity with him. And that's something we can know for sure because of the other certain things the Bible has said about historical things and prophetical things. 
I don't know if I was just rambling there. Very very uncannily like Sikhism right towards the end because uh, the scripture of the book says that the human life is the ultimate form. It says that you have the, you have chosen to take this form, the human form, which is the ultimate life form on this planet, after a cycle of endless millions of other life forms. And it tells you, at least in Sikhism, that this is it. After mm. this, you're going to meet your creator. There is no more cycles of you know birth and death and wow. life and not. Mm. This is it. So make the best mm. of what you have because after this is eternity and you're going to be giving an account of yourself. Yeah. The, the wow. thing that worries me about um, other religions and that what I like about the Bible is that it actually prophesies things that, that will happen and you can actually prove that those yeah. things happened by looking at other history books. Like, for example... Uh, Jesus riding to the city of Jerusalem on a donkey. didn't say on a donkey, but it says he'll come in on the very day, the, the day that he, he'd come in. He came in, and you can prove that. Just want to read uh, Anderson's books, uh, the, the, the Coming Prince, to verify that. He's got all the references to why we know that's true. The Jews coming back into Israel, uh, that is incredible. They were scattered after Titus, the head of the Roman legions in AD 70, sacked Jerusalem, and they were scattered throughout the entire world. Now they've come back in again in our generation, back into Israel. And, you know, I just I have to believe this book because I see it, yeah. things happening in it before you my very eyes. Kind of May I ask a question? Can I say something, please? Go ahead, Larry. Um, I agree, um, Grant, that um, um, I agree your, your, your view on the Bible, but that doesn't rule out that other things are true also. Um, we see like a wonderful truth in a scripture, but that does not necessarily mean that all other scripture is wrong. I think if we look at the Old Testament, um, I think God at many points says, do not bother with these people. They're under my supervision, you know, just leave them alone. They're doing, their king is doing what they're their people and their king are doing. Um, I want to just jump back to, to SJ about sin. And um, Carl gave the biblical um, vision on that. And I think it could be much simpler. For me, sin is doing something wrong with knowledge. You know you're doing something wrong. For me, that is sin. And the Bible, the, is going the Bible tells Pardon us me? very clearly that sin is a transgression of the law. I wasn't talking about for sin sure, itself. but if you do not know the law, what Jesus died for, what sin is said, Jesus died for our sins or our sin. What sin? The Ten Commandments. We've all broken them. <laughs> like when we all were born, or before? Like when? When did we break all? When we grew up, when we became, we, we we're born. We're born little babies. We're innocent. So he died and for then what we, we will do. Transgress the law. Understand. As we grow older, we start to rebel against God and we okay. break the laws when we're old enough. I believe God's given us a grace period up until about the age of 20. Because if you look, there was a time when uh, the, the, all the, the young men under 20 were allowed to enter in to the, to the promised land, but the ones that were, were 20 and above that didn't believe, that weren't faithful, they weren't allowed to enter in. So I think God gives young people a grace I used to think it was really young, really like eight or nine. It never sat right with me. I thought, oh, how could God allow, you know, 10 and 12 and 13-year-olds to go to hell and miss out? But I think he's, he's very long-suffering. And, I, and uh, I've had this man shared with me a, a couple of verses. I can't recall them right now, but it was when, when God allowed these 19-year-olds and below to enter in 
because they didn't have a full understanding of um, of right and wrong. And you know what teenagers are like. Can I say well, something? That's it. That's it, Grant. That's it. Sorry. Um, it is. It is the understanding of right and wrong. If you're doing something wrong and you know it's wrong, it is a sin. Whether it's stealing or murdering or even pinching somebody. But why did Jesus? That's a sin. Why did you, Jesus die for that? Why? I don't get it. Can you help me understand? Well, do you, do, if, if you if you know the New Testament, um, Jesus asked right before it all happened. Please, Father, can this cup be taken away from me? Because he knew the role he had to fulfill. And he asked, like, you know, but he had to. He was without sin. And that's why he is the pure being, the Christ. Um, just as an as a added thing, um, maybe, maybe a good question for Carl. What happened to Jesus between his age of 12 and 29? Because after 29. quite a bit of digging, 29, yeah, um, He apparently went to India, and um, there's places named after him. He's learned things from um, um, the wisdom that was out there. And personally, I do also do believe in um, reincarnation, um, funnily enough. Um, who did Jesus see on the mountain, on the Mount of Olives, remember, when he went up, um, when all the other disciples fell asleep, and who did he meet there? Was it Moses and Elijah? Why were they there? We've got a John. bunch, Carl, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't I think, think you would be like that. Larry, go ahead, Carl. Raised, yep. I think SJ raised a really important question, and, and she said, why did Jesus die for our sin? And, of course, yep. if, if, we're, if we're going to answer that question from a Bible's perspective, that's, that will be the Bible answer. And what the Bible says, and this may not be a philosophical answer, and other people believe it, um, SJ, but what the Bible says is the wages of sin is death. And death in the Bible means separation. So, for example, okay, if a marriage or relationship dies, it separates. Yeah, when your um, when your life dies, your body separates from a spirit. If you believe you have a spirit, uh, if your car battery dies, the energy separates from the uh, the lead plates. Right. So the Bible, basically, in the Bible death is defined as separation. So the Bible says in the Book of Isaiah, chapter fifty nine two, that our sins have separated us from God. And from a Bible perspective, that's spiritual death. So we can be alive. We can have an active spirit, but the Bible definition of a spiritual death is being separated from God so that we don't How have that relationship. How are we separated from God? Can I, as, can I as, say something short, please? Is that a question for me? Because I'd like to answer yes, the question. I have a question for you. I have a question for you. Can I answer this? Was it asked how we're separated from God? Yeah, just do that. That'd be good. We've only yeah. got a minute. So how are we separated from God? How are we separated from God is is God's perfect standard or perfect perfect uh, holiness in, to to be able to uh, have a relationship with God. We need to be sinless. Okay, so be one with God. And so sin mixes with God like oil and water doesn't mix. And Nobody so sinless. And so we became separated from God for our sin. And uh, so the only way we can be in relationship with God is to have that sin removed. And, Do you and the way, possible? yes, Jesus died for your sin and mine, and our place as a substitute to that. If we would trust in Him that He died for our sin, um, then He gives us forgiveness and, and reconciles us with God as an absolute free gift of His love, not by being a religious person in any way at all. It's not about a religion, it's about a relationship. And it's about so God wanting to. Religion, then, right? 
No, 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 no religion, religion. I, I'm, I don't call myself a religious person. I, I, I'm a person who has a relationship with God because of what Jesus did for me. He died for my sin in my place. He took it upon himself and, and paid the price for my sin that by trusting him in return to that, God gave me the righteousness or the goodness of his son in, in exchange for my sin. And that's the only reason why I have a relationship with God, not because I've done anything good, not because I deserve it, but because Jesus died in my place on the cross 2,000 years ago. So you agree all people from this earth, doesn't matter what kind of religion they follow, they are taught to follow from ancestors, um, are uh, son of God. And I think religion, I think God um, accepts everybody with good heart and love. I don't think matter if you are Muslim, uh, if you know, if you are Christian, if you are, um, uh, gosh, Buddhist, if you have a, a good heart a and serve people, I think it uh, doesn't matter if the Buddhist doesn't know the Bible. I don't think uh, the uh, people that are good, good heart and loving, I don't think God separate us. I don't think the Bible give us the right to think we are the chosen. I think every human being that I have a good heart and help people it's the uh, have uh, go to God Can we let you know, what, authority, what authority what authority do you have that belief Allah uh, because a imagine those Africans poor people that are very no, no, simple and God didn't nobody go there with the Bible no they are too poor they don't can't go to stay in church and why they shouldn't go to heaven? If they are good people, just because well, they don't well, know God, they the don't know. No one good. The Bible says there's no one good. No, not, no one. In fact, the Bible says all our righteousness is like filthy rags compared to a holy God. But there's no way we nah. can be good enough to get to heaven. We are good. Yeah. We are yeah, good. Well, they are good they, people. Not sinless. No, we are yeah. human. God is sinless. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So that means the heaven is empty. If yeah. we think like this, just perfect people go in heaven, that means the heaven is empty because we are weak, because we are human beings, but everybody have a piece of... Okay, what the Bible says is that no one comes to the Father except through Christ. Scott, I read a piece that you just wrote, essentially saying this is Joe Biden doing what Joe Biden does. I never imagined how quickly this would all unfold. The person they sold on the campaign, the nice old you know, moderate grandpa who just wanted to help everybody get along and compromise is not what we got over the last year. He has no mandate really to do much of anything. It's amazing that he got a couple of things done when the mandate was really simply replace Donald Trump and don't do anything drastic or stupid. And everything about this agenda is extremely drastic. And he's been angrier than I think people expected. He's been more divisive. He's been more partisan. You look at the issues. We built five years of coverage on Trump out of Russia, COVID, and democracy. The president at his press conference invites Russia to invade the Ukraine. We got more deaths under Biden than Trump. And now we have the president and vice president and leading Democrats questioning the legitimacy of the 2022 election. Are we any better off on these three issues that we crucified Trump over? I think he has a lot of political problems. And an AP poll came out this morning. Only 28% of Americans want the sitting president to run for re-election and fewer than half of Democrats this is a disaster. Oh!